Today we're excited to begin this new series called The Gift. And who here likes giving Christmas gifts? Raise your hand. That's awesome. Yes, Christmas gifts are a wonderful thing to do at Christmas time. As many of you know, Christmas gifts are a big deal in the Bowman household, or at least Christmas in itself is a big deal in the Bowman household, and gifts are definitely a part of that as well. Uh, our girls really enjoy the suspense and the excitement of giving and receiving gifts at Christmas. And I'm not just talking about when they were younger. I mean, even now still, they really get excited about it, and so it is still a big deal in our house. So much so that our girls actually don't want us to ever put any wrapped Christmas gifts under the tree until Christmas morning. Now, unlike most normal kids, they don't want hints. They don't want to be able to pick up the package and shake it to kind of see if they can guess what they're going to get for Christmas. They want the complete, complete suspense that comes with that right up until Christmas morning. And so we wrap gifts usually the week before or sometimes even just on Christmas Eve and then leave them in our bedroom until the girls go to sleep and then we put them under the tree. You know, gift giving is really a fun part of Christmas and it does remind us about God's greatest gift to us that first Christmas, the gift of his son, the Lord Jesus. What do you have on your Christmas gift list this year? Is there that one special thing that you really, really want? I remember one year that our girls really wanted a special gift. Now, I don't know if any of you can see this, but do you recognize this? It's called a Zune. I think it's Windows version of an MP3 player. And uh, our girls went crazy when they unwrapped this gift because they really wanted it. Now, for our girls, this lasted for a few years, but I think for most kids, it probably, you know, you know what happens. After a few months of using it, something else comes along, something better, something bigger that they would want now to replace this. And it didn't take long before the Zune needed to be replaced with an iPod because it could store more songs and it had a bigger screen. And, and then, of course, next came the cell phone where not only could you store thousands and thousands of songs, but you could also then text and talk to your friends. And then, well, you know what happened to technology. It went all crazy from there. And now people line up for hours outside the Apple store as soon as that new iPhone comes out. We live in a world where people are looking for something better, something bigger, something that they, they hope will bring joy and meaning and purpose to their lives. Now, I'm sure you've heard this before, but it's a true statement. Every person in the world, including you and me here today, we all have this emptiness, this void in our lives that desperately needs to be filled Something that gives our life meaning and purpose and value. But I think that at Christmas, this, this emptiness, this void is often exasperated or highlighted because of all the pressures that come on during the Christmas season. What events will I attend? Who might invite me to their Christmas party this year? How can we juggle family commitments and still get together in the midst of all this busyness? And then there's the pressure around gifts. What do I want to get this year for Christmas? What should I give this year for Christmas? And will it be enough? And will it cost enough? 
And deep down, I think many people are hoping and wishing that maybe this Christmas they will find that special something to fill that emptiness that will satisfy the deep desire of their hearts to be loved and cared for, to have purpose, to have significance. But what usually happens? Well, when the parties are over, when the gifts have all been unwrapped and put away, the family goes back home, and life returns to normal again, that emptiness just returns, doesn't it? And even that special gift that you receive, the, the one thing that you would really hope for, will now also disappoint or break down or soon be sitting on a shelf somewhere collecting dust because there is nothing in this world that can truly fill our deepest needs. And why is that? Well, it's because the problem is people are looking for that sense of value, that sense of purpose and significance in the wrong place. And today, as we begin this new series at Christmas, I want you to know that there is only one thing that will ever fully satisfy, one thing that will give life, our, our lives value and significance and meaning, and that one thing that will fill that jo- uh, void, his name is Jesus. You see, Jesus is the only gift that truly satisfies. And in this first message in our Christmas series, I want to briefly just unpack this special gift that we are reminded about, that Jesus is the gift of Christmas that will truly satisfy. Today, for our main Bible reading, I want to turn to a familiar Christmas text. It's found in Matthew chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you could take them and turn with them or find it on your phones, or it'll also be up on the screen, so you can follow along if you don't have a Bible with you. And then after I read Matthew 1, I want to turn to a less familiar Christmas passage, maybe not even associated with the Christmas text, but it's one that appears in Luke chapter 2, kind of reminds us again, and it's going to help us understand this gift, Jesus, that truly satisfies. And so turning your Bibles there to Matthew 1, and let's read this text together. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to, be expo- to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then Joseph woke up and did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but he had no union with her, until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now flip over with me to Luke chapter 2. It's a bit of a longer passage, so bear with me. 
Starting at verse 21, on the eighth day, when it time came to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time had for, the, for their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him, that's Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that that thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Then Joseph and Mary When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these two texts that remind us again about your son, the Lord Jesus, who came to earth as a baby that first Christmas. And as Simeon and Anna marveled, at this, Lord, that you finally had completed and fulfilled your promise. God, we thank you for revealing that to us too and the purpose for why your son came to bring salvation. As we unpack these passages today, open our eyes to hear from you again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of us are familiar with the story in Matthew that we just read where we hear about the angel Gabriel coming to Joseph in a dream and and announcing the birth of Jesus. But our second text today in the book of Luke, a less familiar text, gives us a glimpse into the lives of Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus in the weeks following his birth. You see, it was part of Jewish ceremonial law to dedicate the firstborn baby boy in the family to God. And what did that actually mean? Well, according to God's command in the law, the first male child in the family was dedicated to him, not in a sense of giving the child up, but this dedication was a recognition of God's faithfulness to the parents. The parents then would present the baby to the priest at the temple, and then by offering a sacrifice to God, in a sense, they could buy the child back, so to speak, 
and take him back home with them. But that child had been dedicated to the Lord. And so Joseph and Mary and their newborn baby, Jesus, they went to the temple that day to be, for Jesus to be dedicated. And while Mary and Joseph were there in the temple, something amazing happened. There they met these two elderly people. One was a man, Simeon, and the other an elderly woman named Anna. And the Bible says that they had been waiting all their lives for the coming of the Messiah. That word Messiah, it means anointed one. The Messiah was the one God had promised to the nation of Israel, the one who had come to save them. He was the one that God had promised way back even in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve first fell into sin and rebelled against God. He was the seed of the woman that God promised would crush Satan. That promise of this special anointed one was then passed on to Abraham, the the patriarch of the nation of Israel, and then on to his son Isaac and his son Jacob. And God continually throughout the history of the nation reminded them about this promise of a coming Messiah who would save his people. And that promise was passed on to King David, one of the greatest kings in the nation of Israel. And God promised David that the Messiah that anointed one would also be a king and would sit on David's throne forever. This promised Messiah was also the one whom the prophets proclaimed to the people that they would, he would come and deliver the nation from oppression. And so the Jewish people lived in anticipation of God's anointed one coming. And he'd been prophesied about hundreds of years before his birth. And now finally... During the lifetime of these two special people, Simeon and Anna, God's Holy Spirit had revealed to them that this promised Messiah had arrived. He had entered into the world, and he was this baby Jesus. You know, I think many of us have been on the receiving end of broken promises. Maybe it was a time... When you were a child and your dad promised to come to watch your championship game and then didn't show up because he just got too caught up in work. Maybe it was your spouse who had made a promise never to leave you and then one day she walked out the door. Maybe it was a loved one who who promised to not let that addiction take control of their life anymore. And then they fell off the wagon again. We live in a world that's broken, with broken people who will break their promises. But this Christmas, I want to tell you that we can receive a gift that was the fulfillment of a promise made by a loving, perfect, gracious God, a God who always keeps his promise. And so Jesus, Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to us. And Simeon rejoiced in finally seeing God's promise to him fulfilled. Look at the way he responds when he finally got to hold that baby in his arms, the promised Messiah. He praised God and then declared to everyone around him. And he said, Simeon took the, the baby in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. See, Simeon knew 
that when that baby grew up, he was the one who would bring salvation to the world. He was the one who would bring light into darkness. Then we come across this next admirer of this child. Her name was Anna, and she was described as a prophetess who, like Simeon, had been patiently waiting for the coming of God's anointed one. And when she saw the little baby, she praised God and also began telling all those around her that this child would bring salvation to God's people. You see, both Simeon and Anna had been waiting for this child all their lives. They had been waiting for this one special gift from God. And they knew that this gift would satisfy every one of their needs, every one of their heart's desires. It would give them purpose and value and significance. And that gift finally arrived, and it was the Lord Jesus, God's promised gift. The gift that would bring salvation, not just to the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, but to everyone, including you and me. The gift that we can receive when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. and Become a committed follower of him. But what made this baby such a special gift? Well, the Jewish people were looking for their Messiah. How did they know what to expect? Well, like every good Israelite who read their Hebrew Bible or listened to the teaching of the religious leaders, Simeon and Anna knew what to expect because they studied the prophets. They studied the prophecies of the Old Testament, prophecy that told them hundreds of years earlier about the coming of God's special gift. The prophet Isaiah speaks about this. In Isaiah chapter 9, we read, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And here's a prophecy where we get a glimpse of who this special gift, the Messiah, would be. And for us here today, when you become a follower of Jesus, our, our true gift, he lives up to every one of these titles the prophet gave him. Let's quickly look at them together. Isaiah begins by calling the Messiah a wonderful counselor. Jesus is our counselor, our wonderful counselor. We live in a culture where many people struggle. They struggle with stress. They struggle with anxiety. They struggle with problems in relationships. And where do they often go? They go to seek the help of a counselor. See, a counselor listens. A counselor provides wisdom and needed advice. A counselor brings us back to reality when we're living with unachievable expectations in life. A counselor tells us the truth that we need to hear about ourselves or when we need to change our attitude or when we are actually wrong. A counselor challenges us to make changes in our lives. See, a counselor is honest with us and will rebuke and admonish us hopefully to help us become a better person. 
And here Isaiah is telling us that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. He is the perfect counselor. He provides God's wisdom and God's direction to help us navigate the challenges of life. He listens to our burdens and comforts. He knows when we grieve and when we're disappointed. And he guides and directs us through the challenges of life when we're confused and lost. What an amazing gift to receive this Christmas. Jesus, our wonderful counselor. Isaiah goes on to describe the Messiah as mighty God. This title reminds us that Jesus is God himself. This is a divine title. Jesus came to earth as a baby and grew into a man, but at the same time he remained fully God. God himself became man to represent humanity so that we would be confident that he can relate to us and our problems. But because Jesus is God, he was perfect. He never made a mistake. He never sinned so that he could also be our perfect substitute, the one who would die in our place on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin and our selfishness, the things that separate us in our relationship from God, things that have broken our relationship with him. You see, Jesus wasn't like 50% God and 50% man. He wasn't created. He wasn't a man who then God's spirit came in so that he became divine. No, Jesus was God himself who became a man, 100% God and 100% man. We have a hard time wrapping our heads around that as humans. And he demonstrated the power of God while he was walking here on earth 2,000 years ago. By calming violent storms, by just speaking to them. By walking on water, by healing people with terminal illnesses. And even raising people from the dead. And then finally conquering death himself when he rose to life after being crucified on a Roman cross to pay for our sin. Jesus is our mighty God, and he has the power to change your life. He has the power to change you and to save you from your brokenness and give you hope. Isaiah next describes the Messiah as an everlasting father. This is kind of a strange title because if we understand God as a triune being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how can Jesus be called a father because the father is a separate person in the Trinity? Well, if you look at the way that word in the original language is translated, it's actually translated better, more literally, father of eternity. You see, Jesus is the only one who offers us a doorway into an eternity that we can spend with God in heaven. He is the gateway to eternal life. And if you're here this morning and you're looking for that special gift this Christmas that will give you meaning and purpose in your life, then you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus because he offers you hope. He offers you a way to receive eternal life, life that lasts forever, life in the presence of a loving, caring, gracious Father. See, Jesus is our everlasting Father, our Father of eternity. Finally, the last title Isaiah uses to describe the promised Messiah is Prince of Peace. We live in a world that seems to be always in chaos. And we have seen it even more and more evident, of course, in the past two years with this global pandemic. And yet, in spite of all the chaos 
around us. The Bible says that we can experience peace. He brings calm. And Jesus is the one that offers us that peace because he brings calm into our lives when we're going through chaos. He provides us with peace when we face storms. And we will face storms in life. In his book, The Me I Want to Be, Becoming God's Best Version of You, John Ortberg has an amazing quote that captures this concept of the peace that we can have in Jesus. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the account of Jesus calming the storm, but if you're not, here's a synopsis. Jesus was in a fishing boat with the disciples and he fell asleep as they were sailing across the Sea of Galilee. Suddenly a violent storm rose up on the sea as often happens in that part of the world. And, a small, and the small boat they were in was on the verge of, of being capsized by the waves and the storm and the disciples were terrified. And so they woke Jesus and cried out to him, don't you care about us? Don't you care if we drown? And Jesus calmly reassured them. And then with a simple word, commanded the storm to cease. And the winds died down, and the waves settled, and everything was calm again. And this real story is a beautiful illustration of life for us because we will all go through, through storms. And I'm sure you face storms in your life because you know they will come, and if you haven't, they will come. But this is what Ortberg says. Peace doesn't come from finding a lake without storms. It comes from having Jesus in the boat. Let me repeat that. Peace does not come from a life, from being on a lake without storms. It comes from having Jesus in the boat. You see, Jesus is our Prince of Peace. And on the night of his birth, the entire choir of God's angels filled the sky over the fields of Bethlehem and proclaimed to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest, and on earth what? Peace to men on whom his favor rests. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. And these are the names that the prophet Isaiah gave to the Messiah to let the people know who this special gift was to be. God's promise fulfilled who would save the world. And this is the one that Anna and Simeon had been waiting for all of their lives. God's special gift, the only gift that satisfies, the fulfillment of his promise. But there's one more name associated with the birth of Jesus that we read about in our first text there in Matthew 1. After the angel told Joseph the name of the child was to be Jesus, Matthew then writes in this passage that the angel's announcement also fulfilled another prophecy. Another prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. And verse 23 in Matthew 1 tells us this. It comes from Isaiah chapter 7, 14, where it says, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. The choir sang about that at the beginning of our service. Jesus is Emmanuel. Matthew translates this, what the name actually means. It means God with us. What a wonderful comfort. 
Nowhere else in Scripture do we read about Jesus being called Emmanuel. And yet the Holy Spirit directs Matthew to apply this prophecy, this prophetic title to Jesus, this baby. His name is called Emmanuel. It means God with us. God is not some distant, uninterested deity out of reach and out of touch and out there somewhere. No, this child, this special gift, Jesus, is Emmanuel, God with us here and now. God himself coming down to earth to live with the people he created. God becoming a man, the almighty, the all-powerful, the creator of all things, came down to be with the very creatures he made so that he would provide salvation to a world that was desperately in need of him. To fix the mess that we have gotten ourselves into by rebelling against him, against him through our sin and our selfishness. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. You see, no other religion can compare to such an amazing act of love and grace. No other religion has God himself coming down to live and be with his people. No other religion has God himself offering to take the place of rebellious, broken, sinful people to die in their place so that they can have eternal life, so that they can be forgiven of their sin and be healed and receive salvation and eternal life. And he is still living with us through his Holy Spirit who continues to provide comfort, who continues to guide us, who continues to give us peace in our storms. And that Holy Spirit comes to live in you when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus and become a follower of him. So that first Christmas, the angel said to Joseph, you will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He will be called Emmanuel, God with us. God's amazing gift this Christmas is Jesus, God himself, coming to be with us. So what are you looking for this Christmas? What kind of gift are you hoping to receive that will give you joy and purpose and value? Well, let me t- tell you this morning, or maybe introduce you, maybe for the first time, to God's greatest gift that you could ever receive, and his name is Jesus. The only gift that will satisfy your deepest need for love and purpose and acceptance, but most of all, the gift that offers you salvation. To restore that broken relationship with the only true God, the God who made you, who offers you forgiveness, Forgiveness from your sin and that selfishness that is inherent in us, that brokenness. Jesus is the only true gift that will satisfy all our deepest needs and desires, that needs for purpose, because he came to heal and restore broken relationships, broken people. One of the New Testament authors, Paul, writes this about Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 9.15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Interesting, that word indescribable, it's the only place 
in the Bible where that Greek word, the original language word is used. Other translations say inexpressible or unspeakable or too wonderful for words. Maybe it's because the author Paul was looking for a unique word to describe the one and only gift that would truly satisfy. All other gifts that we put our hope in are things that will eventually disappoint us. Whether it's money, pleasure, relationships even. But not Jesus. His, he is the gift of eternal life. He provides that gift through salvation. And he gives comfort and joy and peace and his Holy Spirit because he's Emmanuel, God with us. He was with us when he walked on earth and he's still with us because he left his spirit to dwell in us for those who put their faith and trust in him. You see, Jesus is the only gift that satisfies him, that satisfies you. So will you put your faith and trust in him this Christmas? He died on a cross to offer you forgiveness and eternal life. Think of what Grace Church would look like if we who have received Jesus as our Savior, <clears throat> who are true followers of him, if we share that message of salvation with a community that needs to know him, I think God's kingdom would grow as people come to faith in him. So let's be obedient to God's call this Christmas and share his indescribable gift as we share the good news of the gospel in our community around us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your amazing gift to us, the Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for your word this morning that reminds us of who Jesus is, that he is for us a wonderful counselor, that he is mighty God, God Almighty himself coming to earth, that he's our father of eternity, is the gateway to have eternal life through saving faith in him and that he is our prince of peace to give us peace in the midst of the storms of life we face. Thank you that you offer this gift so freely. God, I pray that those here maybe who just have been introduced to Jesus for the first time would give their lives to him today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving up the glory of heaven to come to earth to be among us. And we're reminded again of that wonderful gift this Christmas. We pray this in your name. Amen.